So if you have a Bible, you can turn with us to Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Uh, we want the culture and community of Heart Church uh, to be people of prayer. To be people of prayer. That a praying community and a praying church, imperfect as we are, is powerful. And that we are called by Jesus in Scripture to actually be a house of prayer. But to do that, we must first become people of prayer. And as we lead up to launching a morning gathering together, we believe that one of the best ways to prepare for that and all of the amazing moments that are ahead of us is to become people of prayer. People known and shaped by prayer and a belief that prayer really can change everything. So for these next few weeks, we are going to unpack together what it might look like to be people of prayer. Not just prayer that is self-focused, but prayer that brings the kingdom and goodness of Jesus into this city and into this community and into our lives. And to kick us off tonight, we are turning again. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. This is the living word of God. I hope you are ready for it. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father... Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And Jesus said to them, Which of you has a friend? Will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As we dive into the scriptures together tonight and posture ourselves in a place of prayer, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for these minutes and moments that we get to share together as an imperfect community. Jesus, we thank you that you invite us into prayer. We thank you that you want to hear from us. I ask that, Holy Spirit, you would move so mightily in us tonight that this place, that the ground beneath us would shake. That, Father God, we would become more aware of your presence here and now so that we would become people of prayer. Would you awaken our hearts to you? We thank you that you love us. Would that become so true? Would that become so true that we actually live like it? We love you, Jesus, and all the beloved said, amen, amen. Uh, no matter who you are in here tonight, uh, or what your story is, or how much you've been involved in church or not, you probably, in some sort of way, have had some sort of run-in with prayer. Or in this instance, what commonly is known as the Lord's Prayer. Maybe even just now as I read it, you recited it under your breath or in your head. Uh, maybe out of deep reverence and awe for Jesus, but most likely just out of sheer memory or habit. Prayer is one of the topics that is a challenge to discuss. And is a big challenge to digest because prayer is really a divine mystery in some regards. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, we believe when it comes to prayer that we've got it all figured out. Or the exact opposite, that we have no idea what we're doing. 
or a little bit of both. Or worst of all, we're passive in our prayers. And that you and I are not aware of the deep and beautiful gift that prayer really is to us. And there seems to be this sliding scale of prayer in all sorts of ways. Have you noticed this? People who can't seem to stop praying and just live off of every breath of communication in awe and reverence for their maker and creator who fully loves them. Or we have a different set of people who assume that prayer is meaningless. Because if it actually mattered, why is there so much pain and brokenness in this world? And how do you actually crack the code to get God to answer? Because it seems like most of the time he's just silent. Or there's this sliding scale when it comes to prayers that are trivial versus vital. We have people like myself, and maybe you're included in this, who we pray for parking spots on our way to Costco. Or we pray like, please, God, make it so that my son would sleep all the way through the night. Or please, Jesus, would you bring back the Seattle Supersonics and curse the people who banish them away forever. <laughs> While in the same space, there is someone praying for the miracle to have a baby. Or the miracle that their cancer would be healed. Or the miracle that maybe mom and dad would just stay together after all. Or the miracle that maybe you and your kid's relationship would be reconciled. There seems to be this sliding scale of prayer in all sorts of ways. And what are we to do, imperfect as we are? How are we to figure it out? How are we together to venture into the discussion of being a community that is marked by prayer when there are so many different opinions about it? Verse 1 in this passage that we just read, I think gives us the answer, and it is what I would like to invite you into these next few weeks. The Bible records in verse 1, now Jesus was praying. Now Jesus was praying. And one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. How are we to venture into this discussion together as a community, becoming people of prayer? First, we must have the willingness and humility to pray those words. Lord, Jesus, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Teach us to pray and become people of prayer like you have called us to. And Jesus, whoo, because he absolutely loves us and wants what is best for us, he promises to teach us to pray. Not to pray in our own strength, but to pray in the strength of the Spirit. Not to pray in selfish ways, but to pray like the Savior. Not to pray passively but to pray powerfully, to become people of prayer who believe that when we pray, it actually really does matter and that there actually really is a good and true God who delights to hear from us and respond to us. Verse 2, Jesus teaching us to pray. It goes on and Jesus says this famous prayer, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What a prayer! I mean, like, let's stack hands on that and the entire world would be changed. Let's deep dive into it quick. Jesus starts out, our Father in heaven. We probably like that part. Like, we probably maybe like that part. Even if we aren't too all that interested in the way of Jesus, it seems that the subcultural Christian movement likes to be on top. So if it's like, he's the heavenly father, whoo, and we get to be his child, that means that we're probably proxy to power. So, like, we like that one. That one sounds good to us. Next part, holy is your name. Ah, 
I don't know how we feel about that one. I don't know how we feel about that one most of the time. Because I mean, if God, you're really holy, then that means that my life should be formed by holiness. My life should be formed by the holiness that you carry. But I guess you're God, so we can let it slide. But Jesus goes on, teaching us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this, my friends, this is where he loses us. This is where he loses us every time. This is what separates us from becoming people of prayer rather than people who just passively talk. Because this kind of prayer, oh, it can actually change everything about everything, but for some reason we don't like it. Not one bit of it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in... No, we're good. I'm good, I'm okay. I like my kingdom and my will, I don't know. Because that means that our kingdom has to go. That means that our will has to flee. And that means that earth has to echo the goodness and glory of heaven. And I would like to suggest tonight that if we as a community want to become people of prayer, people who believe prayer can change anything and everything, then we must let Jesus teach us to pray that kind of prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The kind of prayer that brings the kingdom of Jesus to earth. The kind of prayer that surrenders our will for his. The kind of prayer that intercedes on behalf of image bearers and beloveds that we come in contact with in all of our everyday ordinary moments. Your kingdom, not mine. Your will, not ours. That kind of praying, it is commonly known as intercessory prayer. And the quickest and most significant way to become people of prayer is to be a community that is marked by intercessory prayer. Marked and consumed with praying for someone else. Intercessory prayer, it's just a fancy word to say praying on behalf of someone else. Praying for someone else. Getting in the in-between places for someone else's benefit. Calling down heaven, not for you, but for them. Praying deeply for someone else with a loving and compassion that burns so hot that you must call upon the Spirit because your strength simply isn't enough. And Jesus, right here in this passage, teaches us how to intercede like that. Jesus says, pray simply, your kingdom come, your will be done. But here's the catch. Are we willing to believe and trust that the way of Jesus isn't just better for us, but that it's better for everyone. That the way of Jesus isn't just a mean to our own personal happiness, but it really is actually a beautiful resistance that declares peace on all sides. That restores and reconciles people to people and people to the God who made them and loves them. Interceding for people by the power of prayer can change this world. How do we know? Because for centuries, for millennia, we have been marked as the way of Jesus and Jesus' followers with a consistent theme of universal experiences. That sickness can sometimes be healed. Curses can be broken. People can be revived. Communities unified and shaped. Signs and wonders breaking forth. Tragedy can stop. The blind can see, the lame can walk, the justice and righteousness can be made known in the streets and all of it. Simply done by the power of intercessory prayer. Simply done by the power of people who are super ordinary like me and you. 
praying and believing that Jesus will in fact move. Praying in the way of Jesus. Praying by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not for our kingdom, not for our will, but for the Heavenly Father's perfect and good rule and reign to come and joyfully, lovingly make its way into the hearts of humanity. You see, Jesus says to the church, to us, pray like this. Pray like this, because this kind of prayer changes the landscape of our city, changes the landscape of our community, changes the landscape of our marriage, changes the landscape of our kids, changes the landscape of the future. And all too often we are stuck in a cycle of prayers that are selfish and self-absorbed. Or we're stuck in a cycle of prayers of just about a meal, which isn't all bad, but becoming people of prayer moves us into the heart of God, shifting from my own life to the perspective of Jesus. Because you see, prayer's deepest work is in the heart of the person praying. Prayer opens our hearts to God, and in doing so, it allows our hearts to be transformed by the Spirit so we want to look like the kingdom, so we want and desire to do the will of the Father. Prayer changes us, and when it changes us, we can partner in with Jesus to push back the darkness that is so prevalent in this world. Prayer like Jesus teaching in his passages puts us in the posture of love. My friend Richard Foster says, if we truly love people, if we truly love someone, we will desire for them far more than was within our own power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. For praying is the deepest way to love others. For praying is the deepest way to love others. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? If you were to peel back the spiritual atmosphere in this room right now, do we really believe that praying is the greatest way that we could love a fellow beloved? Jesus did. Look at this passage that we just read in Luke 11. Ask and it will be given to you, Jesus said. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks and receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus wants to answer our prayers. Do you believe it? If not, it goes on. What father among you, Jesus says, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your perfectly heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Jesus wants to give us good gifts. Do you believe it? Jesus wants to answer our prayers. Do you believe it? Do your prayers act like it? Look at His prayer for us in John 17. This is Jesus interceding for us. This is Jesus standing in the gap for you and I. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. Jesus, Son of the living God, interceding for us. Getting in the gap for you and I. Because prayer is the posture of love. If that passage in John doesn't get you psyched and fired up, 
Look at what it says in Hebrews 7.25 about Jesus' prayers for us. It says that Jesus always lives to intercede for us. Meaning Jesus is always, without fail, interceding for you and I. Always desiring what is best and better for us. But maybe like me, you struggle sometimes to even know how to pray. Why to pray. What to pray. How would we even go about interceding and praying for others? Or does God actually even care or want to answer? Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Oh, I am weak. For we do not know how to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. The Holy Spirit himself is standing in the gap on our behalf. Jesus wants to answer our prayers. The question is, do we trust in his answering enough to surrender to his kingdom and to his will? The question is, do we trust that his kingdom and his will is actually better, not just for us, but for all of humanity? Because prayer is declaring the truth that when you really love someone, the best that you can give them isn't more of yourself. It's more of Jesus. An intercessory prayer jumps into it so they can experience more of Jesus. All growing up, I got to go to this amazing place called Malibu. I've told you a few stories about it before. Here comes another one. You ready for it? I got the gift to be an intern up there. Lived up there all summer long. And I got the amazing privilege to run the zip line. So that means I got to see every camper, like 365 of them. And all day long, I would just push them off this platform. And they'd be like, and then they land in the water. And it was fantastic. But because it was like going into the water and it's not a lake because lakes are for weenies, uh, I went out there and I was like, okay, with the lower tide and the higher tide, you got to adjust the zip line. And there was this massive crank at the bottom of the zip line that you would have to crank up if it was high tide and you'd have to crank down if it was low tide. Because if you didn't crank it down and someone was like, they would just be like, not the best week of your life, worst week of your life, okay? So there was this one day. And it was super low tide, and I went out there, uh, and I started to crank down the zip line. And if you, like, go slow, it works well with you. If you try to go fast, like, I am not built like an ox, so that crank just gets to moving, and you cannot keep up. Uh, so I start cranking slow, and I'm like, it's taking a little too long. I start cranking a little faster. I'm like, ah, not enough for me. So I have this genius idea. If I let go of the crank, then the zip line can just fall, and then I'll just grab the crank. And it will be fine. So I let go of the crank. And it starts to move. And when church, when I say move, I mean like it is moving. Like this thing is like, and the zip line is just slowly falling and slowly falling and slowly falling. And I'm like, oh, no, I just did a bad thing. And the crank is like unraveling like crazy. Uh, And I look around. I'm like, who's going to help me? And it's like, no one, idiot. Like you're supposed to help you. So I like look at the crank. And like the fool that I am, I just take my hand. And I just put it straight in the middle of it. I mean, just like, ah! And the zip line stops. And like, so does all of the feeling in my entire arm. And it was like, oh no, what did I do? And my hand is bleeding. And the crank is stopped. And my hand is stuck. And I've got like a radio on my hip. And I'm like, please, Jesus, come and intercede for me. Like, I am stuck at the crank. Someone come and help. They like pull my hand out of the crank. Like wedge it with a few rocks so the zip line doesn't come down anymore. And it was, it was awful. Uh, But, you know, I saved a few campers best week of their life, so amen to that. But the reason that I tell you this story 
is that the call of the church is to put their hand in the crank. The call of the church, imperfect as we are, is to intercede. It's to jump right into the mess, no matter how painful it might be. No matter how painful it might be. So that what is going on in someone's life might actually stop. Because the prayers that you pray, if you pray, Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can intercede. Not for you. It might bring you pain. Prayer is not guaranteed to bring you peace. Intercessory prayer is supposed to bring somebody else peace. And the call of the church is to put their hand in the crank. So that the gospel can break forth. Prayer matters and changes everything because the whole gospel, the entirety of the gospel is intercessory prayer. The whole story of redemption and the redemption of humanity and the grace and the cross and all of the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, the God-man getting right into the middle of it. It is all intercessory prayer. Jesus who steps into the middle of the mess and intercedes for us. Steps into our story and makes it new and whole. Jesus, who intercedes and conquers sin, death, hell, and the grave and offers new and full life to the whosoever, not by our efforts, but by his love and his grace. The whole gospel is the intercession of the Savior. The whole gospel is the prayer of Jesus in the entirety of his mission. Jesus says, teach us to pray and answers Pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because Jesus is the answer to that prayer. Because when Jesus is there, the will of the Father is being done. When Jesus is there, the kingdom is on full display. When Jesus is there, the entirety of the gospel moves heaven to come to earth for you. Because Jesus, no matter the pain and heartbreak that it would bring him, it's bringing beloveds alive again. People become children of God again. Resting in the delight of their father. Prayer matters because you are the passion of his prayers. Prayer matters because you are the passion of Jesus. Jesus says to us, pray in that way so that my passion becomes your passion. So that the perfect love that I want to give people can rest upon imperfect people and welcome them home again. For the Father is willing and delighting and able to bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. The question is, is the church willing to jump in the crank? Is the church willing to jump in and intercede for the beloveds? Because if not us, who will? If not you, who will. You don't got to be well educated, common and ordinary. You don't got to know the words the Holy Spirit groans on your behalf. You are invited by Jesus to intercede for the beloveds and image bearers that you come in contact with in all of your ordinary moments. So how do we do it? What does that actually look like? When do we pray? I say the best practice for prayer is to pray every time you smile. Because every single time you smile, is Jesus interceding for you. I say the best practice is to pray like you're loved because you are. Pray like they're loved because they are. More on all that next week, but for now and every moment ahead, let us intercede for the beloveds. 
Let us stand in the gap alongside Jesus and pray as Jesus teaches us to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. And watch as our hearts catch fire. Watch as our hearts catch fire to the passion that so consumes Jesus that the entirety of the gospel brings heaven to earth.